2: and Missoula Sports Center.
0: One rivalry streak ended and another winning streak continued as Montana smashed its rival in Missoula for the first time in close to a decade on Saturday afternoon. Hello, I am Coulter nuanes Junior Bergen scored a 74-yard touchdown on the second play of the game and the Grizzlies were off to the races in the 120th rivalry matchup against Montana State at Washington Grizzlies Stadium. A stadium record 26,856 were ignited as Bergen, a billing senior product who originally signed with MSU, opened up a contest which turned into a rout. Montana stuffed the Bobcats from start to finish, allowing the number three team in the FCS to gain just 204 yards while rolling up four sacks and nine tackles for loss. When Captain Jace Lewis came off the edge and forced a fumble on a fake field goal attempt by MSU, a play that led to Justin Ford scooping and scoring from 56 yards out, it was Bedlam in the Garden City as number seven Montana rolled to a 29-10 victory that certainly vaults the Grizz to a first-round playoff bye. The victory is Montana's first in the rivalry since a 54-35 win in Bozeman back in 2015 and halts the Bobcats' first four game rivalry winning streak since the late 1970s the Grizz take a five game winning streak overall into their FCS record 25th playoff appearance including the second in a row and ninth total under head coach Bobby Howe Montana State's nine game winning streak ended with MSU's first loss in Missoula since 2014 the Bobcats will still get a playoff bid and are still in the mix for a first round bye for full recap of this game tune into the Montana football hour at 4 p.m. Monday right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula What. i don't know well, i don't know why, uh. why they
2: want us i don't know why they hate us
0: amazing to think that uh, puff daddy was once so young <laughs> when this song came out a flashback to the mid-1990s. One of the greatest times there was to be alive. It's a great day to be alive here. Hope you're having a great Monday. It's new on now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Recapping the biggest football weekend of the year around the Treasure State. Hopefully you got to take in at least a little of the action as there was phenomenal state championship games across the high school world as well as pretty big rivalry game here in Missoula. Got everything broken down for you. On the Montana football hour with our good friend Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz. Miss anything in the first hour of the show. You can find it on the podcast, which is available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. Podcast proudly presented by the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel, Blackfoot Communications, and Sportsbet Montana. Usually, Mondays, second hour, we got the good man uh, Coach Marty Morningwag swings by for the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty. But Marty's a little under the weather. Hopefully he heals up good. He did a great job uh, raising the 37 flag at the game on Saturday. That was cool. And uh, it's been great getting to know him and hanging out with him and learning so much about football with him. Uh, So he'll be back next Monday. He's got all sorts of takes from this rivalry weekend that was, as well as some stuff about the NFL as well. But... The Monday afternoon quarterback is presented proudly by Brett's RV and Marine, as well as Alpine Touch. And so we're going to spice up this giveaway a little bit here because we are off for the rest of the week. So you want four tickets to Montana's men's basketball game? Zootown Classic descends upon Missoula. There's games Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. There's a good field in town for the Grizz. So we got four tickets and some Alpine Touch for you If you call us right now, Wednesday's game, 406-888-1029. You call that number, caller number two. Got a four-pack of tickets to Wednesday's game. We'll throw some Alpine Touch in there as well. 406-888-1029. Give us a call right now. You got a chance to win four Grizz tickets and some Alpine Touch to the game Wednesday. Zootown Classic here in Missoula Wednesday through Friday. So hopefully you can... Swing on by and check it out, and uh, we got tickets all set up for you. Stay tuned. We're going to be giving those tickets away. Uh, we got a t- four-pack to Thursday and a four-pack to Friday as well. So thanks to Alpine Touch for being the uh, presenting sponsor of the Monday Afternoon Quarterback with Coach Marty. And uh, can't believe it's basketball season, but go support Travis DeCure and the boys because that uh, should be fun action down there at Dahlberg Arena. For those just tuning in or those that missed it, Here's the docket from around the state when it comes to the high school uh, football state championships. Missoula Sentinel, back-to-back state champions. They hadn't won one in 48 years. Now they've won two in a row. The Spartans dominant in a 35-6 to victory over Billings West. Friend of this show, Dane Oliver, is on his way down. Head coach, Missoula Sentinel, he's also bringing his defensive coordinator. Thought Sentinel's defense was outstanding. All season long, but particularly Friday night against Billings West. So, Sentinel back-to-back state champions at the Class A level. The Hamilton Bronx, they finally get the job done. This team's been in the semifinals five years in a row. They've been to the state championship three out of the last five years. They lost in both those state championship games. But on Saturday, they go on the road to Laurel to play the defending state champion, Locomotives, and they post a 21-7 victory victory. So congratulations to Bryce Carver and the Hamilton Bronx, the Class A champions, for the first time since 1998. In Class B, the Florence Falcons continued their unbelievable run and capped it with a 48-0 victory over Big Fork. So 12-0 for the Florence Falcons, and they bring home a Class B state title uh, to the Bitterroot Valley. In eight man, it was Thompson Falls that defeated Drummond Phillipsburg. That's the Flint Creek uh, Titans. Thompson Falls won that game 48-7. So congratulations to Thompson Falls, a team that moved down from Class B a few years ago. And uh, then in six man, Freud Lake shut out Dutton, uh, excuse me, power Dutton Brady 43 to 0. So those are your state champions. So congratulations to all of the state champions from across Montana. Dan Oliver just texted me, his Sentinel head coach. So he is uh, on his way down here to help put into perspective what was a phenomenal victory for his Sentinel Spartans on Friday. But we uh, go to the, the, (laughs) I was going to say the regular Spartans are your phone line, but instead we're going to go to the production room. Welcome in our producer, Andrew Houghton. And uh, I want to start with something that has nothing to do with the rivalry game. You have covered the Big Sky now for uh, a handful of years now between uh, Skyline Sports and now here at ESPN Missoula as well. You spent a couple years down there in Pocatello, Idaho, covering Idaho State. Um, Saturday, something happened that I've never seen before. Two coaches that had been relieved of their duties led their teams against one another. It's rare enough to have a coach coaching in a game in which he is guaranteed that it is last and it's not because he's retiring. But last week, Idaho announced that Paul Petrino would not return and that Saturday would be his last game. And then just a few hours before kickoff, Idaho State sends out a press release that it was Rob Fennessy's final game at the helm for the Bengals as well. So what do you make of
3: the lame duck bowl as it was? Well, it's just a weird situation. Of course, it was kind of surreal for me because I didn't know about Rob Fennessy's. Uh, firing or, or dismissal until I was sitting in the press box at Washington Grizzly Stadium and uh, my good friend Madison Guernsey who was also covered the Idaho State Bengals was like, Man, did you hear about Rob Fantasy getting fired? And I was like, I did not. I had, you know, heard whispers, heard rumors. I think that this was something that was probably coming down the pike because this is a team that came into this season with a lot of expectations and finished at one and ten. But yeah, just what a surreal situation to be. in. my take on this is that, man, it's really unfortunate that it sort of takes away and overshadows that game. Because for Idaho, Idaho State, I mean, that game is up there. That's their rivalry game, right? You're finishing the season. You're in-state rival. I don't think there was a lot of hype around that game. I don't think anybody, even the fans of those teams, was up for it too much because they had a combined four wins or or five wins coming into the game. But it still takes away from uh, something that's been a rivalry for a long time. And a rivalry that had a little bit of juice coming back in, because in three years, those games have been not good. But the first year, Idaho State ran up seventy points on Idaho. Idaho's first year back in the FCS. Right. The next year, Idaho State goes to the Kibby Dome. Matt Struck throws two pick sixes, a fumble that's returned for a touchdown, one of the craziest games I've ever seen, and Idaho won that game by thirty. And then in the spring it was finally a close one with Idaho State winning. So I think that storyline sort of overshadowed the game. It didn't turn into a very good game. Anyway, it was 14 nothing Idaho. No points scored after the first quarter. Gross. Yeah, Idaho went up 14 nothing. Nothing else happened after that. Utterly forgettable, I guess, if it hadn't been for the, the weird situations around the coaches. But just interesting. The, here's
0: what's so interesting to me. Is that Idaho's been back in the big sky for a couple of years now. Idaho State has been in the big sky since the creation of the conference back in 1963. Idaho State has just had a hell of a time trying to find any realm of competitiveness within the league or any ground to stand on at the FCS level. Idaho once was really good. They have tradition to potentially build upon. But broadly, I just sit here and think to myself... I think the opening at Idaho is one of the best available jobs in the conference and the country for a couple of reasons. One, Idaho has good facilities. You can dog on the Kibbe Dome if you want, but it's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. And they have a couple elements of it. That's very good. I would actually say when Idaho is even respectable, they get fans and it's a place that people like to go and they have (laughs) The one thing I heard from all the Grizz fans that went over to Moscow this year was that it's the easiest place to get beer, which that adds to
3: the experience. When you can just get yourself a beer pretty easy, it makes people want to go more. Then they have one of the best bands in the conference. They've got that big school feel with the band playing. If if there were fans in there, I mean, it would be a great atmosphere.
0: No question. I also heard some statistics from this new ESPN, ESPN Plus deal. The leading fan base in terms of ESPN Plus streams for Big State Conference games is Montana. Second is not Montana State. They're third. Idaho was second. So there's people that are interested in Idaho football, even if they're not going to the Kibbe Dome anymore. So I think Idaho's a good job. I also think that there's an opportunity for somebody to take that job, and because simply because they are not Paul Petrino and his old-school way of operating, and a lot of people would say his antiquated way of operating, they have an opportunity to really just reform the identity of what they could be as a program. But then I think about the Idaho State opening, and I don't think any of those things about the Idaho State opening. And that's unfortunate, because I do think that Idaho State does have uh, a fair amount of interest within their program from the, the fan base. But they've just been stuck in this spot for so long, and I don't really know how they emerge from said spot.
3: Well, the one thing that's that the two jobs do have in common is that at Idaho State, you're also just starting with a completely clean slate. Like, there yes. are no expectations for what this team is, and, and Rob Fennessy tried to do that when he yeah. came in and said we're going to be right. the, the greatest show on turf and under a sure. dome and tried to put up 70 points a game. Part and that of, part worked of this, out though, as long as they had Tanner Guller. and then Right, right.
0: Well, part, part of this, though, too, is that selling the vision and the, the marketing, like love it or hate it, the media portion of this thing is a huge portion of it now because it's so hyper-exposed. There's stuff on social media and online all the time. Paul Petrino, if you if you if you use the cliche of winning the press conference, Paul Petrino did not and did not try to win any press conferences over the last several years. Idaho States had back to back guys that did try to win the press conference and Mike Kramer and, and Rob Fennessy. So I guess that's what I'm saying. Like if you just get a charismatic coach in Idaho, it'll be such a breath of fresh air. They'll have multiple years to instill his vision, regardless of if that vision is good or not because of the ability to, to sell better than what they had the last couple of years, whereas at Idaho State, they actually had a couple of guys that were engaged in the media that were pretty good at selling it. Yeah. The vision just fell flat.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you would say about Idaho State, I mean, this is sort of the line around Pocatello that you, you heard repeated all the time. It's that, man, if this team wins, you'd see support. There's some you know level of sleeping, you know, not a sleeping giant there with the potential – Fans coming out, but potentially, you know, a, a sleeping mid tier team, right? Like, sure. if, if they started winning, that would, you know, they would be above a lot of big sky teams in terms of the fan interest ahead of teams like Portland State yep. and some of the California schools. But man, it's just been so long. I wonder how much of that potential, which has never been realized in the last 40 years, yeah. is fading away. Y- you want to know what I would do if I was Idaho State?
0: I would start recruiting. I would start recruiting in Montana. That's what I would do. I would start recruiting Montana kids. Bec- and I'm not encouraging this at all. I think it's there's a great uh, glory to the fact that Montana and Montana State are made up of so many great in-state products that about half the rosters for each of the Montana schools are local kids. I mean, if you read my stuff on Skyline Sports last week. 91 Montana natives in this game. 29 different Montana cities were represented. Our good friend Madison Guernsey, who you mentioned, he came over and helped us. He had a good story after the game about some of the small-town Montana kids like Jace Lewis and Braxton Hill and um, Garrett Graves for the Grizz and Troy Anderson and Brody Gruby for the Cats. That's part of what adds to the luster. But I just think that the, the thing that's been standing in Idaho, the two things that have been standing, there's three things, in fact, that have been standing in Idaho State's way. One, antiquated facilities. Two, a lack of um a lack of identity in recruiting, and three, no real strategy in terms of recruiting advantages in Pocatello. What I'm saying is the Idaho State's been trying to bring a bunch of guys in that are regionally prominent recruits that then don't have any meshing with the community or the tradition or, or the history or anything at Idaho state. I just think if you went a di- completely different here, if I was at Idaho state, I would recruit rural Idaho kids, Montana kids recruit like nothing but regional kids. I would recruit like Bobby Houck does at Montana recruit kids that can drive to your games because like it or hate it. But if you lived in Pocatello, I think Pocatello is cool. I like Pocatello better than most people do. I know you do too, but it's also from a different moment in time. You can find a bunch of guys that like that, though. It just
3: doesn't seem like that's a part of the recruiting strategy as much as as much as it could or should be. Yeah, Idaho State's in a really interesting place, like just geographically when it comes to recruiting. the 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 place that southeastern Idaho has the most affinity with is is Utah. I mean, that's the kids right. that they need to be recruiting because that's where the culture is most similar, geographically most similar. I mean, you're two and a half hours away from Salt Lake. I don't actually think that Idaho State, except for being off in a corner by itself, is actually in such a bad place to recruit because you, there's a lot of talent down in Salt Lake City that you can get. And Idaho State's a really good school. Yeah. The, That's what people don't realize. Right.
0: There's two high research institutions in the in the Big Sky Conference, Montana State and Idaho State.
3: Right. And you can uh, – Boise is growing. There's a ton of talent over in Boise. You can recruit those kids. You can recruit up into Montana – Everybody looks at it and says, man, you can't recruit to Idaho State, and I think that's true for, like, basketball and stuff like that. But for football, there's a lot of talent around there. I mean, and Highland High School in Pocatello. Powerhouse. One of the best high school football programs in Idaho. They just went to the state championship game again, lost to Rigby, but Rigby is an hour up the road in Idaho Falls. I mean, there's a lot of talent around there. That was the 5A state championship game in Idaho last week.
0: Yeah, no, no doubt. You want us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. You want some Grizz tickets? We got four tickets to to Thursday's game, Montana. It's the Zootown Classic, a Thanksgiving weekend tournament. You want to go to a game on Thanksgiving? You can. Give us a call right now, 406-888-1029. We got four tickets to Thursday's action at the Zootown Classic and some Alpine Touch. So call us right now, caller number 2 406 now we got tickets to Thursday. We also got some Friday tickets coming at you soon. If you want to go Thursday night, maybe you're tired of your family, or maybe you're loving your family, want something to do after you digest your turkey. 406 888 1029 Give us a call. Right now we got a four-pack of tickets and some Alpine Touch for you to Thursday's games at the Zoo Town Classic. Dane Oliver, Mike Matz, Missoula Sentinel. They just walked in. They'll join us next. Here on Duanas Now, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. tomorrow all your guns is borrow. Uh, i don't feel sorrow actually your man passed the egg to me i check this what's beef beef is when you need two eggs to go to sleep beef is when your moms ain't safe up in the streets beef is happy hey, monday everybody yeah, an awesome you. monday to be on the air with you want us now espn radio swx Montana television maybe we should call this uh Three men and two mics because that's what we got going on right now. We got a little mic issue. Somehow one of our mics snapped, but so happy now to welcome in Coach Oliver, Coach Botts from the recently anointed Missoula Sentinel State Champion Spartans, second year in a row. Very fun to have a bunch of state champions here in Western Montana. If you missed the scoreboard, well, the West was best all weekend long. Missoula Sentinel defeated Billings West 35-6 to on Friday night, and then Saturday, it was all West all the time. Hamilton took down Laurel 21-7. to Florence defeated Big Fork 48-0. Can't believe that was the score in a state championship game. And then Townsend Falls took down Flint Creek 40-8. to So a lot of success for teams in the western part of the state. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being here. We'll start with you, Coach Oliver. How you feeling? Because I know that this is, as they say in sports, the only thing harder than winning a championship is repeating as champions. So... How does it feel to be sitting here now, back-to-back state titles?
2: Yeah, it's still pretty surreal. You know, uh, we, we just finished my least favorite day as a head coach. Gear, <laughs> gear, gear turn in, so in a matter of uh, 72 hours, you go from the pinnacle to back just, you know, it's not all glory. There's a little bit of a grind there. That's you know, right. When what I tell my daughter. So, but yeah, uh, unbelievable performance by the Spartans, um, not a... Don't no, don't go to a game into a game with any expectation how it's going to go, but that was a pretty special night for I think for the city of Missoula just with and then the, the Saturday game brawl of the wild being in town, and it was a fun weekend of football. So just trying to you know, Coach Delaney said enjoy those wins. We, you hear from a lot of people when you win, and so um, yeah, just trying to enjoy this moment. When
0: you are sitting there playing the first state championship game in Missoula since nineteen ninety four, you are leading fifteen to six to halftime, and then you dial up an onside kick. How do you have the guts to do that in that moment? I mean, that was like yeah. we were like freaking out on the silence. I cannot believe they just did that.
2: Yeah, it's uh, full disclosure. It's just a, it's a squib kick that we say, kick it right at that guy. So right, yeah, it's um, so it, it's not, it not as gutsy as uh, as everybody makes it out to be. Um, but I think the ball bounced our way, and I don't know whether that's like I've said execution or you know. The hard work ethic by these kids, or just the game of football. It was our night, and so the mentality go, oh, excuse me, going in was let's go for it. You know, I thought that showed off in the defensive game plan. It showed up in special teams, and then especially just on fourth down. Just let's let's we're not holding back on this game, and it paid off. And Mike, th- this is, uh this was a.
0: A completely redefined way that Sentinel won down the stretch this year. You guys were very good across the board, but this was an unbelievable defensive unit. So first, start with the onside kick, because as the defensive coordinator, what do you think? I mean, I know, like you said, a little bit of a squib, okay, whatever, but it seems like you guys had faith in your defense no matter where the offense had the ball on the field.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, going into the week, we we kind of discussed that, you know, with with those dollar guys back there. Right. You, you kind of understand that either we're going to kick it to him and give a, have a chance of giving up a big return or we got to play this field position battle. And having played them twice, um, you know, the beginning of the year in the championship game last year, I kind of had it in my head that they were going to be getting the ball around either plus 40, minus 40 the whole time. Uh, so, so kind of getting used to that, just knowing that they're going to have good, posi- good field position and preaching to the kids that, like, this is where they're going to be, but we're, you know, we're built to stop them and we know we can do it. And then just kind of trying to get that mentality into the week that it's okay wherever they get the ball, we're good.
0: Well, I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I get to watch football for a living, so I become sort of a junkie when it comes to schematics and stuff like that. First of all, i got to give you a great compliment. What you guys are doing is very complex and complicated for high school stuff, and I think it's awesome to watch, but how would you just describe the way you put your position your kids in a position to succeed? Because it seemed like they really gravitated toward all the details yeah. that you guys want them to operate with.
1: Well, you know, you, you, going into that game, you got to stop uh, the run game, and uh, a team that that hits big plays from anywhere on the field. So that was kind of our message. We stopped the run first and then, you know, you gotta take away Taco Dollar, which, right. which is not an easy thing. Easier to said do. than done. Right. Um, and so that's kind of been the formula is is we want to shut the run down and then take away their best passing threat. And so our kids gravitate. They love that. Um, and so they were all in. They know how good he is. I mean if you watch the week one game, I mean he torched us a couple of times and made us look silly. So uh, for those guys, those DBs especially they took that serious and to see them go out and have such success. And he I think he had two catches for eight yards, which is, is crazy to look back on because he is an outstanding player.
0: I mean, he's one of the best players in the state of Montana, no totally. question.
1: You know, one of the most dynamic kids I've seen. Yep. Um so for our DBs to, to have that success and you know our D line was getting after it and helped him out. So it was it was just super cool. And I'm so proud of those guys.
0: Absolutely. Missoula Sentinel, the state champions for the second year in a row after experiencing a forty eight year drought between state championships, head coach Dan Oliver, defensive coordinator Mike Motz. In studio with me, Colter as It is Nuanez now. The turning point of this game, though, other than the, the squib slash onside, whatever we want to call it, was, first of all, you capitalize on that moment. Easton led better with a house call to give you a little breathing room. But to me, the whole game turned when Billings West went for it on fourth down. They didn't get it. You guys get to stop, and then you guys are facing a short fourth down, and Zachary lowers his shoulder, gets yourself a first down. That turns into a touchdown drive, and now it's all Spartan. So what did you think of your kids' ability to seize the moment in, in that exact scenario?
2: Yeah, I think we're just the stewards of their mentality. Totally. Uh, that that was their their approach. They wanted to do this. That's the, that's the like I've mentioned earlier. It's the, the greatest team with a competitive spirit that we've been around. Yeah. And I think that that goes back to the type of kids we have.
0: Is that but, just intrinsic?
2: Are they just uh, made like that? Yeah, I think a, a lot of it is. We've been pretty fortunate. Yep. Um, oh, because exactly, we breed and talk about, and we do a lot of mental sure, training. Sure. But, uh, and and that allows what what we've had some special kids. What and what they've been able to do is bring along. Those right. kids who right. wasn't intrinsic. And so the trickle down of of Zach Cruz, Charlie Kurgan, right. you know, Joe White Chase Williams, the list could go on. It you know, it's those are your A plus players, but these, that when you have great, amazing players like that, it brings your uh, you know your C players to B players, and that's high school football, I believe, because you're always going to have those elite level players. One thing that drives me kind of
0: crazy about the FBS level of college football is that it's what makes every regular season game so big. But when you lose, it, it sort of derails every goal you might have had. So one loss, uh, it can sort of alter the entire scope of your season. That's why I love other levels of football because so often how you respond when you lose is so important. That said, you guys haven't lost in years. (laughs) That's so hard. How? How are you guys able to keep the kids focused? Because it's, I mean, like you always say, I'm not in the business of making predictions when it comes to 16-, 17-year-old kids because you never know. You never know when you ate too much at Applebee's before the football game or whatever. You're not hydrated. Your girlfriend picked a fight with you at school. You never know what's going to happen with this sort of stuff. So how are you able to keep these kids focused? Because 21 wins in a row is an amazing number. What
2: I'd say is, you know, there's you got to have great players, which we do. You have to have amazing assistant coaches. Right. Um, and, and fortunately, we have some, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, we've got Coach Mott's got a great team around him, Coach Dennison, Coach Prangin. There's some other young guys coming up, helping them. And I had some turnover on the offensive side of the ball. But by the end of the year, those guys were, were locked in. Um, so how you do it is you just don't talk about it. Right. Uh, it's, it just, it's a conscious thing we do. We, we go into every game. We, we don't have an expectation how it's going to go. We don't look. We tell the kids, don't look at the scoreboard. You know, we're chasing excellence, not an outcome, and that's the formula that worked for this team. It may be a different formula next year, so I think it's up. I'm fortunate to have to have some great people around me to help figure out that formula. But what worked for this team was uh, just present moment focus, and they're such great competitors that allowed them to thrive. And, and Coach Spots. You're a Billings West alum, and you guys have a little bit of a rivalry going on with West. You mentioned
0: state championship game rematch this year, so two state championships in a row. You also played them the first game of the year at Washington Grizz to start this season off. So what was your emotions going into this game? Is it weird for you coaching against your high school alma mater?
1: You know, it was it was weirder uh, last year kind of being the first time. Right. Um, you know, that's a program that's, that's super special to me. I had an awesome experience there. Um, played for a legendary guy and coach Claybo. I mean, you man. probably
0: learned a ton from uh, coach Claybo too, right? Yeah. And then,
1: and you know, and coach Stanton, um, followed my class freshman all the way up. So I spent a ton of time with him. Um, have a ton of love and respect for, for coach Stanton. So it was really cool, especially to go down there and win it at dayless, um, was really cool last year. And then I think, you know, you play him number two and number three and it just, it just kind of becomes, uh, another football game. Uh, you know, a program that I care about, I think if I could pick who he played in the state championship, it would be pretty awesome to play them. I, I always wish them success and want them to do well. So, it was it's, it was pretty cool to be able to play them again.
0: Well, and just take us through just, just some of the, the guys you had defensively, because it seemed like this was probably a pretty special group to coach. Not just athletically, but it seems like these guys can absorb so much mentally. So, I mean, what did you think of just the performance defensively? Because you guys... I mean, quite frankly, gave up almost no points yeah. for the last six weeks of the season.
1: You know, those those kids are so locked in, and, and it starts with Chase Williams. Is I mean, he's probably the smartest dude we've probably ever had. Yep. Um, at Sentinel, perfect score in the SAT, and then, <laughs> an Ivy League guy. Um, you know, he watches almost as much film as, as Coach Oliver and I do, uh, and so he he's just as locked in as any coach on the staff. And so he really is kind of the thing that makes this thing tick. And then you have guys like Charlie Kurgan and Zach Cruz, Drew Clump, Connor McCarthy. I mean, I could just all 11, really the 14 guys that we rotate in, um, you, you know, they're just locked into the game plan. They, they want to do well, and, and they're really bought into what we're doing. So it's easy when you have kids like that. You can lay it out on a Monday, and then they execute it perfectly. Um, a lot of the time, they know what they do wrong before we can even get after them. So it makes it pretty easy for us.
0: And, Dane, what did you think was well, – was there any cha- – I mean, I'm sure there's always challenges. What were the biggest challenges you guys experienced this year?
2: Oh boy, we, we had plenty. Uh, you know, it, it was interesting they asked me that after the uh, after the game. I said, he you knows team had more adversity than, than people know. Sure. And what are those things? Well, like, you know, we had some coach illnesses like that sure. kept us out and it's just lost it's yeah, we lost yeah, we lost a starter four weeks in a row. At one point we had five offensive starters down. And so, um, you know, it just you, you could go on and on. You know, we go down to Butte and Coach Motts, um, was not feeling well, and so you just have to be extra careful. And right. he's upstairs in the booth. It's just every day it seemed like in the the COVID post COVID era, right. there's something to deal with. And um, and I talked with Coach Dan about that. Just the, the resiliency of all the kids across the state. It, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Um, um, just to see how they do, they adapt quickly and. Uh, It's a fun group to coach.
0: I mean, it was – that's the – I said this at the beginning of the show, too, because I think that last week Mike Kramer, former Montana State head coach, came on the show, and he's coached football for decades and decades. And he so eloquently described the phenomenon of the way that we analyze and think about sports being so based on wins and losses, and sometimes we lose so much of the value that comes beyond any sort of actual result. And that's something that's going to stick with me forever, the way he explained that so well. Because there is so much benefit from it, no matter what. And oftentimes, when you lose, it's actually the biggest benefit as well. And when I was standing on the center of the field, as you guys celebrate, it's just such this dichotomy of emotion, right? Yeah. Such elation for Sentinel. What a spectacular moment for these kids. Such devastation for Billings West, and you felt so bad for him. you know. I went and said, what's up to Taco Dollar, because he came on the show earlier this week. I said, thanks for coming on, man. I know this is so disappointing. But I promise this will be something you learn from or anything in your whole life. So let's talk about West, though. I mean, because that—that's a you. You, if you're going to have a great team like you guys have, you'd love to have a great opponent challenging you each and every day, right?
2: Yeah, it's a uh, boy. It's it's a challenge there. It's it. You know, I, I have a lot of empathy for like because <laughs> no right. we've been there. It's not, you know, um, and that's why it's when you're having the success we are, you want to enjoy it. Yep. You really do. But, you know, it's uh, a great book, They're Matthew McConaughey's. Green Lights book. I mm-hmm. recommend it. It's, it's the art of running downhill. And it's like, well, things are going really well for us. Like, why, why are these happening to you? It's because all the it's all the failures that happen to you. That's so right. enjoy that ability to just run downhill. And so that's kind of, you know, the self talk I'm giving myself right now is just enjoy these things because you know it's not going to last forever. It's it's tough to stay on top. And um, but in West High is such a formidable opponent. They have a kid going to the Naval Academy. They they're it, it, you could the list could go on and on. Multiple I mean, D1 yeah, guys. I they're, they're on very Microsoft. similar to how we were last year, and yeah. so I I just can only imagine the thinking's like, hey, we can't we couldn't get it done with this crew. You know, it's tough. It's it's hard to win football games, and that's why um, we're so grateful and fortunate to be in the position we're, we're at. So much
0: of the narrative coming into this year was you guys had such a phenomenal team a year ago that won your first state title in 48 years, and all sorts of guys going to all sorts of colleges to play. But this group embraced and exceeded all expectation, and the fact that they handled the bullseye on their backs from start to finish, I mean, what makes this team unique? What will you remember about this team the most?
2: Oh, yeah, it's, it's. I think with, with time comes greater reflection totally. uh, on on what makes them so unique. You're still kind of, you know, pro, I'm still processing everything. <laughs> right. uh, what, what what I saw, what I was, maybe I'll speak to what I was most proud of, Yeah. Um, how well the seniors brought along the juniors and sophomores that it's amazing to see a group of people come together when we started this season they we were not completely aligned there was a lot of different issues Mm -hmm. um and so just for their ability to sacrifice and and put their uh individual needs aside for the greater greater team success was was what was most special that's what i'll remember about this crew was they really did become a team by the end of the year it was a different process Mm -hmm. than last year's Team and so, it's just more tools for the toolbox on how to to get people to work together. It's
0: a similar question for you, Coach Bots. What what are the defining factors? I mean, what, what are the things that will resonate with you the most when you think about this group of kids?
1: You know, I think they're they're extremely gritty. Like yes, um, you know, I go back to week one and um, you know, it's things that, that that cliche things that coaches always say. You know, it's it's third down, third and goal. Wes has got an opportunity to win it, and I go out in the huddle and I I look at all the guys and I just, I look at Zach Cruz, I look at J.J. Dolan, and I just have this, like, sense of calm. Like, they just they're gonna win like they just believe they're gonna win and I told them like hey we're good this is where we want to be and I don't know if I actually felt that right but I said that and they looked at me like yeah you're absolutely right and so I just I think like the moment's never too big like they just they they trust their their training all the stuff they do in the summer and and we're always preaching that to them but then in those tight moments when maybe I'm doubting it a little bit to look at those guys and see that they're 100% confident they believe hey we're one play away Um, that's something that I was always so impressed with and that showed up in the, the first glacier game and, and early on, the Helen High game, and just to see them just consistently just keep playing the next play, knowing that they're going to get back in it or a big play is coming, just to, to, to watch them put that to work every Friday was pretty awesome.
0: Nuwana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Mike Motts, Oliver from Missoula Sentinel joining me, Colton Nuwana's in studio. It's a holiday weekend. You want to go watch the Grizz play some hoops? The Grizz are hosting a holiday classic tournament, the Zootown Classic. The first rendition of it, we got a four-pack of tickets for you to Friday's game. We also got some Alpine Touch we'll throw in there as well. Alpine Touch, Montana Special Spice. You want to go to the game Friday? We can't tell you who they're playing because it's a tournament. So we don't know, but we have a four-pack of tickets for you. So call us right now, 406-888-1029, 888-1029. Call us right now. Caller number two got four tickets for you to the Grizz basketball game Friday night. Last question for you guys because this was a big-time rivalry Weekend. Uh, We'll start with you, Coach Moss, because I think that there's a lot of people listening to the show that are very, uh, they love high school football, but they also love college football too. There's a lot of uh, intrigued people with number 11 from Missoula Sentinel, Zach Cruz. I know he's slated to play a variety of different positions, or I guess I should say he could play a variety of different positions. Sounds like they're going to start him out on the edge like he was playing for you guys at defensive end. But what makes this kid special? What can Grizz fans anticipate out of a guy that's committed to Montana?
1: You know, there's there's so many things with Cruzy, with but for me and I think Coach O echoed this, that, that kid's competitive spirit. Unbelievable. Um there's there's just not that we don't have other kids like that, but he's just at a different level. And then you see that, you know, we give up a touchdown, he blocks the PAT and like that was his third or fourth PAT block of the year. So right. he just he just is Consistent all the time, and then you know, like you just know, you can bet on that kid all the time. No question. You know, like when we go, for he just on, wants to win. On fourth and two, it, we talk about it in coaches' meetings. Like, what's our approach going to be on fourth down? And he asks for input, and it's always like, we're going to bet on eleven if it's <laughs> right. four or less. Like, give him the ball. Uh, So I think you're going to get I mean, Grizz fans are going to get a kid that is going to lay it on the line Every single time he's on the field And I have no doubt in my mind He's going to be a really, really good player at the next level
0: Yeah, absolutely I think that uh, he's been a great contributor on this show too It's been fun getting to know him He has such an elevated uh, maturity for such a young guy I mean, he comes in here He sounds like he's a 30-year-old coach when he's on the radio Got a little edge to him as well So pretty special Last thing for you, Coach uh, rivalry weekend here. You are a former Grizz player. You must be pretty happy to see Montana snap the streak against Montana State. Yeah, I was,
2: I was so uh, just impressed. I'm a fan of football. And, oh, you know, I, there's a couple kids that I that are dear to my heart who play for the Cats. They're totally. so a little torn uh, at, yeah. at times. But I was, uh, it, number one, it's tough to win at Washington Grizz. Oh, I mean, buddy. and so it it's just, uh, mm-hmm. it was fun to see. We call it we fence, which is offense, defense, special teams, all yeah. working together. And I think that's a brand of football that lends them to to make a run. When you uh, and, and we're proof of that, like all three phases got to be hitting at all cylinders. And so you're, you're starting to see him get healthy. You're, you know, I love watching Mitch Roberts play football. Love uh, it. I mean, his hands. I don't know if people know how special his ball catching abilities Catches are. Everything. And, and, but he does it with. When most receivers would catch it with the body, that kid goes with his with his mitts. So um, it's fun to see kids like that perform, and you know it was fun to watch Riley Ort be on the field. I know it did get the result he wanted, but um, just it's a, it's great. it's it's a rewarding for us to to watch those kids go on and live out their dreams. Zoll
0: Dane Oliver, and Mike Motz. thanks so much for being here, guys. This was great. You bet. Thanks for having us. One last thing to take you home for the week, because we're off for the rest of the week. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. <laughs>
2: Nine ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana television. No. <laughs> <laughs> Little do they know you roll harder than you over there. girl standing here.
0: What are they? I don't know if this is the best or worst one-day work week of my life, but this is the only Nuanas Now for the week. Missing anything in this show. Montana Football Hour with Riley Corkin recapping the rivalry game and breaking down the FCS playoff bracket. And then a true pleasure to hear from Dana Oliver and Mike Motts, the two integral coaches in Missoula Sentinel's second consecutive state championship. All that on the Nuanas Now podcast. We'll be back next Monday. We'll see you in a week. Have a great Thanksgiving.